those who like their yolks runny and their dough sour. Yum! It's Matt and Alex all day breakfast. Yes, hello, happy Monday to you. I uh, hope you're trying to make it as happy as possible. Uh, I did yesterday my work by trying to avoid my telephone because I was getting pretty down looking at all the news coming out from the States, Matt O'Kine. Grotty stuff. Yeah, it's been pretty rough, but we're here for you on a Monday. Uh, we're going to be chatting to one of my favourite people in the whole world. He was Bronson on Round the Twist. He's since gone on to become an incredible director, not just in Australia, but around the world. His name is Jeffrey Walker. I'm so excited to hear what he's been up to. We're also doing Clickfish again to find out some of the uh, juicier pieces of news that Alex and I are too, uh, you know, proud to <laughs> click on, really. And also, uh, Alex Dyson, we're going to talk to a, a friend of yours. Yeah, we're going to gonna be crossing to Brooklyn in New York to get a bit of an update as to what is happening uh, in the States. So it'll be good to talk to someone who is there at the moment. It's all coming up for your Monday All Day Breakfast with your boys, Matt and Alex. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. A seventh coffee never hurt anyone. No, I feel a buzz. Do you think we're living in a simulation, Alex Dyson? Well, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because you have things like touch, like I stubbed my toe the other day and it really hurt. And I'm like, well, that has to, pain is real, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It definitely is real, right? But then you have things like Donald Trump as president and you have... uh, Murder hornets, and you have <laughs> monkeys you stealing wonder- vials of blood, <laughs> and you just go, is this scripted? Well, is someone coding this? <laughs> here's the thing. I believe, okay, one part of me believes, of course, it's happening. Other times I believe we're in a simulation, okay? And I've caught out the Matrix three times, right? Three times in my life. All right, Little the, glitches the, in the, the Matrix. The architect. He, he's, okay. The architect slipped up three times and Matt's seen everyone. Here we go. This is, <laughs> I'm being dead set here. First, one of the times, first glitch in the Matrix, I was coming out of Perth Airport one day. I was with Ursula Carlson. She was in the car with me. We were driving past and we saw a plane in the sky that was not moving. All right? <laughs> I swear to God it did not move. All right? right? I'm sure maybe there was some, you know, physics reason we were going around a corner just as it was coming, whatever, right. but it not was a, not moving. It we wasn't both looked a, at each other. a peregrine falcon sort of hovering with its head still <laughs> looking for unless, a vole. Unless that, unless that falcon had the virgin logo <laughs> tattooed on it, then no. Um, the second glitch in the Matrix is when I started doing radio at Triple J with you. I remember vividly thinking that I wasn't going to take the job. I felt like I had a lot going on at the time. I was going to move overseas, etc. And I remember this one time driving home thinking, you know what? I, when I get home, I'm going to call Triple J and say no. Right now I have no memory or recollection of changing my mind or anything. Just one day I was working on the radio <laughs> and I'm like, I still look back and I cannot remember what happened. Because okay? I remember catching up with you at the pub because yes. we'd never properly hung out before. No. Like, and you are like, tell me what it's like. And I was telling you all the things and what you do every day. And we were just having a bit of a laugh and a drink. Then your sister came along and we got a little bit tipsy and then... But we didn't, I don't remember you saying to me, that's it, I'm taking the job. No, I never, I had no plans, honestly. I don't know what what, what changed my mind, but it did, and I'm really glad it did. Mm. I'm so, so glad that that happened, right? Anyways, the reason why I bring this up is because the third time I feel like there was a glitch in the Matrix is one night when I was out at a nightclub in Brisbane, this is in 2006, I was with some friends, a group of friends, and, um, you know, we'd been drinking the same amount that, you know, anyone on a reasonably early Saturday night 
would have had a few beers, etc. And a bouncer comes over and asks one of my friends to leave. He's too drunk. Now I step in and say, well, why don't we, why don't you let him just have a few waters or whatever? And you know, I'm sure he'll calm down. So then the bouncer turns to me and says, well, in that case, you're out. Right. And then grabbed me. As well my, or instead? No, just instead. Grabs me by my arms, wrenches them behind my back. Right. And starts taking me out. Now, Anyone who's been in that situation, I've been arrested twice before, mm. um, and this is this night included, right? If you've ever been put in that situation physically, your body does not is not built to be restrained or in pain, right? Mm. So when your arms are getting wrenched behind your back, you're sort of you're struggling. So it turned into like a physical altercation. I wouldn't say that there were no punches thrown or anything like that. There was just like wrestling. I was trying to get out of his grip because guess what? It hurts. To get right? out of to get out of pain. Pain. That's <laughs> it. So when they talk when people talk about oh they're resisting arrest or whatever like that, they're resisting pain because mm. it hurts. Whenever you get arrested, it hurts, right? Um, and so the bouncer dragged me outside, and then decided that he was going to do a citizen's arrest on me. Right, because because I'd been trying to get out of his grip and we'd gotten into this sort of tussle. Right, he was then going to the... perform a citizen's arrest on me and wait for the police to arrive. Right now, during that time, he pinned me down. There was one guy on my back holding my legs up, like locking my legs up, and this bouncer had my chest on the ground and his arm into my neck, and my hands ripped right behind my back, and I remember I couldn't breathe. And I remember th- truly thinking, I'm going to die. And I couldn't talk or anything. I couldn't say anything. I was like, I'm, I'm actually going to die. And the next thing I know, I remember I was being tapped on the face by um, police officers. And I, heard, I remember him, the bouncers and the police saying, oh, um, we might need to get an ambulance. You know, and then I remember I sort of woke up. But so you passed passed out. At the, I, I, at the time, you know, yeah. I obviously passed out, and I obviously all the thoughts that go through your head are part of that sort of panic and that worry and everything like that. But you know, a little tiny bit of me, a tiny tiny bit, the the, the most sort of believing side of me, kind of thinks that I died that night. And I tell you what, a few months later, a young guy in Brisbane got pulled up by bouncers at, a, at the RE Club in hotel in Tuong. And uh, a very similar thing happened to him, and he did die um, mm. due to due to well forces placed on him by bouncers. And they, I, I think about how lucky I was because that that really could have been me only a few months before. Now those bouncers ended up three years later getting acquitted of what happened because on the other from the other incident, yeah, from yep. the other incident because. Um, because the guy that they did it to was overweight, deemed overweight, and uh, had health problems, then they, in court, the judge supposed that it was likely he could have died anyway from just being overweight, having health problems, and therefore they couldn't say for sure that the restraints and the choking that, mm. the, um, that the bouncers put on him in that moment caused him to to die. Right. Mm. So when I see the story, like what happened over the weekend or, you know, days before of George Floyd and what's going on, I get a really, I, I, I remember all of that. 
and yeah. I feel I feel about how much it could have been me. Not you know I know that mine is different because it wasn't police, despite mm. the fact that the police officer that's been charged actually worked as a bouncer for seventeen years part time. Yeah, I mean, right. That sort of stuff. Um, but it it really hits me hard when I see that about how some how something so stupid, silly, and small mm. can end up ending like this. Did you feel any, uh, at the time, did your mind go to racism at the time? Did you feel that there was any sort of indication that that was uh, part of your experience? Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> there is, I mean, this, is a, this wasn't a police matter until the police actually arrested me. So um, this is not a police racism thing in mm. my, my situation. Mm. But in terms of was I unfairly picked on? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I've got a mouth on me, so I say things. But I also think that that comes into play when it's like, well, certain people are even more offended if, if a brown person has a voice, you know? Right. And so to be, for me going, hey, why don't you just let them stay and have some waters? To all right, well you're going then, and then arms behind my back. Yeah, I felt I felt that that was a bit unfair in that situation. Mm. Also, when I tried to ask the police to, you know, can we can we charge this bouncer and stuff for what he like sure. basically assaulting me? Um, lo and behold, the the video footage from the security cameras had um, disappeared that night. And is that the so, glitch? The the matrix? <laughs> the security camera? <laughs> Maybe it was. But look, but I know that we're going to talk about mm. um, what's happening in the states. Um, and I, I know that my story is not exactly the same, but what I can say is I feel a great deal of sympathy for anyone who's been in that situation. And, and there has been a lot of people, especially in Australia, this is not just an American problem. This, this situation has happened to many people in Australia as well. Mm. And it's worth just reading up about and educating yourself. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying no one react, whatever, however, the way you see fit, but I, yeah, it's certainly a problem that is, that is close to heart. Yeah. Well, the, um, yeah, the situation in America, a similar, an arrest situation by police, which was filmed, then turned into, uh, riots across the weekend protests, uh, that turned into riots in some occasions, places were burned, people have been hurt. And, uh, it seems, you know, against the backdrop of an international pandemic, wild. it is absolutely wild what's going on. So we thought we would cross to America to get a bit of an insight. And that is happening on all day breakfast next. Order up. Just how you like it. Perfect. Yes, Matt, let's cross to the States now and uh, get a bit more context on what's happening over there because sitting at home, feeling helpless, watching social media and so many things come into it, it's such a complex situation. And uh, I think both of us will put our heads up and say, you know, it's pretty tough for us as Australians to talk about it. So let's talk to someone who is over in Brooklyn at the moment. Her name is Tia Hill. She's a stand-up comedian. She's a, a host, a podcaster, a video producer, and she joins us from Brooklyn right now. Hello, Tia. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you so much for coming on to our show. Um, we were, you know, really hoping to chat to someone who was uh, in the US at the moment with so much stuff happening. And, and Alex Dyson said, oh, I've got a friend over there who... Uh, who who we can chat to and I'm I don't interested. think I was so presumptuous as to call us a friend here because well, I'm intrigued. I, <laughs> I've had only positive interactions with you but uh, I don't think we've quite broached past acquaintance just yet I, oh, I'm okay. looking forward to doing going further but well how did yes. you two meet <laughs> I'm totally fine with that label you know I appreciate it <laughs> um I think we met on the subway but it was 
so long ago. But you know what I remember more than our meeting is that the first time I was in Australia when you had messaged me about it and I was like, oh my gosh, and everything came flooding back. And my boyfriend is Australian and he was like, oh yeah, Alex Dyson. And I was like, oh wow, everyone here really does know each other. Okay. <laughs> um, and so then you like mentioned Melbourne and like gave me all these recommendations and everything. And so like that had been really great. It felt like a chance meeting that kind of like, you know, developed into, it just, everything came full circle. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty fair summary. I mean, well, you left out the, the train, part. You left out the it? part of me being in a rented tuxedo and being <laughs> slightly intoxicated from coming back from a friend's wedding and <laughs> accosting you for a job at now this where you were working at the time. Uh, but, but overall, it's pretty well summed up. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't get a job, Alex. So if if anyone approached me <laughs> close to midnight in a rented tuxedo, I'd give him a job straight away. And that wasn't our DM history, too. I think he'd, like, given me your email or, like, we'd exchange emails or something, too, because, like, looking back at our messages is definitely, that's definitely in there. Yeah, well, it, it worked out at the end. You're doing great things at Genius yeah. nowadays. Me and Matt are back together, do it all day breakfast. It is very good stuff. But we better get on to the big topic that is happening here, Tia, um, the, the protests in America after the death of George Floyd, uh, which... A uh, person is now being charged with third-degree murder for that has sparked protests um, around the country. How 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 do we go about starting talking about this? What what can you tell us from your perspective? Wow. Well, I can tell you that it's been quite a week. I think for those of us, especially like Black people in the U.S. right now, considering you know earlier last week or this week, I don't know. All the weeks have blended together because we also are still dealing with coronavirus. <laughs> Um, we had an incident with, I believe his name was George Cooper. Uh, no, I think, I forget what his first name was, but it, I know his surname was Cooper. And like there was an incident in Central Park where a white woman had called the cops um, on a black man who had just reported her for like having her dog unleashed or something. And that had gone off on social media. This is also coming after the death of Ahmad Arbery like um, a few weeks ago. So like the United States was already kind of ripe for this kind of unrest. And, you know, initially the officer involved in the George Floyd incident had not been charged with anything and had not been arrested. And so I think the combination of like the way that coronavirus was handled so poorly in the United States, given that we don't have universal health care, we don't have all sorts of resources. It's mainly black and brown people who are suffering under this virus in the first place. We're not getting a lot of resources from the government. And then to also have this social unrest on top of it. We've seen this kind of thing before. And actually the last election year we had in 2016 i can remember that same summer there were a string of killings of unarmed black people in the u.s um but it's just kind of coming full circle and happening again and it's just kind of like a pressure cooker right now in new york city and in la and like in all the cities like i'm in brooklyn right now and i can hear people yelling outside of my street as we speak so um yeah it's definitely and just talking to friends around the country and just you can kind of just feel the tension in the air right now in this city and just like everywhere around the country. It's really incredible stuff. I mean, I was going to ask because when we had the bushfires uh, throughout a, a lot, you know, large parts of Australia at the beginning of the year, you know, the such jarring images that were being shown all over the world, it kind of mm-hmm. made the feeling like, you know, literally every single um 
you know, centimetre of the country was on fire. And where, whereas where there were some really badly affected areas, but there were some that, that were, were absolutely untouched. Is it sort of the mm. same there? I mean, you said that you can hear people literally outside your door. Does it make you feel like you can't leave the house? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, I will say earlier I was out social distancing um, with people, you know, six feet away and everything. But I will say that there's like a strong police presence in Brooklyn. Like the NYPD always comes out, you know, very strong just in general. And they have tens of thousands of police officers here. And it's very, you know, militarized. Um, But so I feel like I can leave the house. But I know that given the fact that today it felt very tense and everyone felt very on edge and also like there's a history of black people in this country and cops kind of clashing. I know I personally as a black woman and considering I'm kind of small, like I don't necessarily want to be walking through the streets um, during the day here because things can escalate so quickly. So it's just more so being aware of things. Things haven't felt normal here in a while, but I think now it's just kind of the added pressure of there's cops on literally every street corner. You know, we already have coronavirus and the weird social distancing rules. So it's just, it kind of feels like we're living in a movie at the moment. So it's like a weird, you know, I haven't taken the subway in months. So it's just kind of like a weird feeling of like, you can leave the house, but there's so many things going on. You just really need to be careful how late you're out. You know, once it gets dark, making sure you're with people and things like that. Absolutely. Now, we see these sort of images come through, Tia, and uh, yeah, there's, it's, it's interesting to put it in, in, it's hard to put it into context as Australians, but, yeah. you know, when, when a, a death occurs on camera, that obviously whips up a lot of attention, but there's also the, the ones that don't, and if it's historically, you know, nothing has been done about, now there are, you know, nationwide protests. Can you see uh, anything being done about this because there's a predictable backlash uh, focusing on, you know, whether it's Target being looted or, you know, smaller instances like that rather than the overall message as to, as to why this has occurred and whether it's we see images of, uh, you know, school kids fleeing schools in Australia and go, well, will something be done about it so that this history doesn't repeat itself again? Can you see this being a, a point where America turns around and, and there is something that good comes out of it or action is taken or can you see it as a little bit a little bit futile and, and no real change will take place? I think, you know, I think it's interesting because on the one hand, I don't necessarily think that it's futile in the sense that we shouldn't um, kind of, I try not to call them riots, I try to think of it more as an uprising because I think of it in with the historical context of there's been 400 years of black people in this country who were brought here against our will and then kind of like placed here with all of these laws and this systemic racism that has created an environment that's kind of like a pressure cooker that's, you know, going to explode eventually. And I think it's easy to look at it as like things are not necessarily as bad as they were. But I also think that unfortunately we've had this happen so many times before. I think the only difference is that now we have social media. So we see these images flooding on, on social media. And that's the only reason why it seems like it's worse. And we also have coronavirus four years ago when this happened, you know, we went out and we protested and things weren't on such a large scale in terms of there being uprisings in other cities, but they've happened in cities like Ferguson, in Baltimore, where I'm from, and um, just around the country, we've had this happen before. 
And usually nothing is done. You know, sometimes we have body cameras on police officers. Sometimes, you know, a lot of people are fighting for citizen review boards to make sure that cops are being regulated and they're being prosecuted fairly as they should be. But unfortunately, I think part of the problem within the United States that's unique to us is that the U.S. is a unique country in that it's built on like racial tension and kind of white supremacy. And so that is something that is entrenched in our country specifically because you have an ethnic group of people who were brought here against their will and they've been living here. And now everybody is kind of clashing. So I think a lot of it stems from a lot of like historical context and bigger things like that. So I would really like to see there be long lasting change. But unfortunately, because of coronavirus, because we have an election coming up, because there's so many other factors, I honestly don't know if there will be any systemic change that will come out of this. I just feel like it's just people kind of getting out the tension and the pressure and the anger that they felt this year and the years previously. Tia, I want to ask, there seems to be two well, dividing camps online that sort of suggest that there are people who are really wanting to peacefully protest and there are people or, you know, anarchists who seem to want to be inciting violence mm-hmm. and chaos are you do you have an opinion yeah. on that have you have you seen or, or heard anything about that from the street yeah i i've seen a lot about that and a lot of my friends who have either been at these protests or just people i've seen online have said that it's not really in our best interest to go out there and start being violent and just like off the rip it you know people try to be peaceful and everything like that yeah one of the best tweets i saw over the weekend was a reply to a conservative commentator who said looting is not the way to get your message across and they said well we tried peacefully kneeling but you guys had a problem with that as well <laughs> <Exactly>. uh, <laughs> which yes, is pretty interesting exactly. but uh killer mike uh from one half of run the jewels the incredible hip-hop duo uh, gave a really emotional speech in atlanta which saw uh some protests as well which ended up uh with a fair bit of damage including the cnn building there being um being vandalized he had some really interesting and powerful words to say over the weekend as well i didn't want to come and i don't want to be here i'm the son of an atlanta city police officer my cousin is an atlanta city police officer i love and i respect you i hate i don't have more to say i hate i can't fix it in a snap i hate atlanta's not perfect for as good as we are but we have to be better than this moment we have to be better than burning down our own homes because if we lose atlanta what else we got? We lose an ability to plot, to plan, to strategize, to organize, and to properly mobilize. Off the cuff, he was absolutely incredible. I got emotional watching it as well, and I loved how he yeah. could get up there and he just said, what you could do is go out and fill out the census. <laughs> and i just like, the guy's <laughs> such a badass that he could come out and talk about filling out the census, uh, census and get people excited so they could be counted and hopefully bring about that change that we have been talking about here. Tia Hill, uh, we could talk to you for ages, but we better let you go as it's quite uh, getting late over there. Uh, thank you so much for having a talk to us. If you want to follow more of Tia's work, you can find her on tortillachips.jpg on Instagram or at tortillachips on Twitter as well. Check out our podcast, too. And counting as well, which would be amazing. Tia, thank you so much. We appreciate you uh, making time for us on All Day Breakfast, and hopefully, we'll talk to you again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This was great. I smell toast. All right, we are going to uh, move on from that, Matt, because uh, there are other things going on in the world. Some would say things that. Uh, are kind of interesting, but you're kind of nervous to click on them. 
Uh, which brings us to our uh, now long-running segments <clears throat> with a new intro. <clears throat> Clickfish. Um, hello, oh, Brian, wait. our producer. Is that... <laughs> is that- is that where our budget's at? We can't get we can't get anything. Well, yeah, we did get a web. We still only just got a website, so we're going with Clickfish. Um, Bron, hello. Hello. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us here on a Monday all day breakfast. So much news coming in over the weekend. We've talked a lot about the situation in America. We didn't even mention the uh, the astronauts go to space in SpaceX. Mm-hmm. Did you? Well, I'm not sure. Did you have that on your agenda to talk about? Was that? It's too high too brow in- for this. Too interesting. Yeah. No, that's a, clickable, that's a clickable story. If you missed us, uh, if you didn't catch us last week, then we uh, ask our producer, Bron, to come in because Alex and I, we're always going through the news to check about what's happening on the reg. Uh, there are some stories where you just smell from a mile away. They just want you to click that bait, and we ain't going to do that. But, producer Bron... We're happy, happy to throw Bron is a bit of burly to the sharks. <laughs> uh, so what stories do you have for us today, Bron? So Grimes, who's been in the news recently because of her child with Elon Musk, um, she is putting on an art show called Selling Out where she's putting up for sale um, her soul for 10 million US dollars. <laughs> uh, well, um, uh, I should say, I should say a, a portion of her soul. Uh, well, what, you don't even get the full soul for 10 second. million? Hang on. I gotta buy a townhouse of her soul for ten for ten mil? I don't go to the shops oh. and buy half an apple. I don't go to the <laughs> shops and get half I sometimes do get half a cabbage actually. Um But I if I'm buying souls, I want it full, untouched, skin on. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so what is it? What are we talking? Is it a piece of paper with just some... Is it like Millhouse selling it in The Simpsons or what are we... I, I think or Bart selling it? I think similar to that. So she said the purchaser will enter a contractual agreement that outlines the terms of ownership and ultimately the connection to the joy of artistic expression. I um, actually can picture Matt O'Kind buying some soul and then getting back and telling me, wasn't legit. Nah, <laughs> nah. You don't even get the soul. I mean, nah. I'm not. I'm not buying that. Uh, uh, is is someone gonna pay ten million dollars for half a grime soul? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a lot of. It's, it works out to be, I think, fifteen million Australian dollars. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Matt O'Kine's soul is on the market for fourteen mil right now. Okay. Uh, you, it is on sale. Full thing. Are you doing whole soul? Oh, I, I gotta keep a little bit of it. Seventy-five percent. Yeah, seventy-five percent. Fourteen sold. mil. All right. It's Put a wholesale. It, book it. Buy it on eBay. <laughs> uh, next, Bron. So Kylie Jenner, who was named the youngest self-made billionaire by Forbes, has been stripped of the title by yeah, the magazine. I don't, why? I saw headlines about this, but I'm also like. Oh, you're still rich. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. know what I mean? They're claiming that she's now only worth 900 million US dollars. Well, I heard, wasn't there a little bit of, you know, fudging the numbers to get her over the billion so they could just claim it? So what is the point? Forbes has said that um, Kylie and her, her people have had some tax fraudulent stuff going on behind Ooh. the scenes. But Kylie came out and said, what am I even waking up to? I thought this was a reputable site. All I see are numbers, um, are inaccurate numbers and unproven assumptions, lol. Um, I've never asked for any title and I've tried and or never tried to lie my way there ever, period. That was from All Kylie. Right, well, there you go. Some, some clap back from Kylie. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Next. So um, RuPaul's Drag Race um, Series 12 finale was on the weekend. What? 
I usually hear all about RuPaul's grand finale. Like, has it, has it been, is this, this season not as good or no, something? No, this season's been amazing. Well, why isn't everyone talking? Like, usually my, I mean, well, usually my partner's like at the, at the you know, Imperial Hotel with friends. Yeah, because <laughs> we don't see night. any other human beings at all and people just sit in their beds with crumbs on their chest watching stuff keeping to themselves. So that's right, so why we need Bron to come in and tell us about it. Okay, what happened in the final? So RuPaul, who's like the most iconic drag queen ever, he in the season 12 reunion and again in the next episode in the finale wore a face mask instead of doing drag. So the face mask wasn't like the medical ones we're seeing at the moment. It was more like, you know, Rey Mysterio from WWE. <laughs> it was like that. What so, a great reference from Bron. She's up She's up with the latest TikTok Kylie Jenner, but can also reference Rey Mysterio. That, get a girl who can do both. How about that? Um. So, but I don't understand what, so instead of wearing drag, wore the face mask. Yeah, so people are claiming that um, RuPaul can no longer do makeup because he's, he's always gotten someone to come in a professional. He hasn't done his own makeup in... Oh. In probably a decade. Oh, because he's doing it from home or a yes. separate studio. Yes, so they had to do the the whole finale and the reunion from their house over Zoom. And they don't reckon Shh. he can do it himself? Or oh, this is So he covered juicy. his entire face. I'll nibble a bit of this bait. That's interesting. <laughs> that's, that is interesting indeed. So, so is there genuine controversy from people going, this is a little bit of a, you know, I guess... I get a ghostwriter in the rap world kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, so I think with the reunion, him doing it there, it was like, okay, this is kind of weird. But then again, happening with the finale, it was like, okay, this is weird. Goodness gracious. Wow. All right. Well, okay. We'll, we'll Next keep, up. We'll keep looking for more develops. And the final story here for some Clickfish. Thank you, Bron. So The Bachelor Australia had to stop filming in March due to coronavirus. But um, someone from Brisbane has claimed that they witnessed um, a group date happening over Zoom. Oh. So they're still doing the, the, the show or this is just outside of the show, there's still a, a group date happening? So they... <laughs> well, that'd be... <laughs> A bold move to try and well, get some... I thought maybe that you know they met on the show, then had to stop filming, but then we're like, all right, well, let's keep it going. You no, know, so it was a, it was a group date. So oh. they had a few people on the call, and one of the people um, saw who's Lockie Gilbert, who was from Australian Survivor. Um, they saw him in the Zoom call, and then they saw a girl dressed in a dog onesie um, on the date. I got to tell you, this is people all have been people are pretty good nowadays. It, doing the, the old cross-reality show stuff because there was that girl on Dancing with the Stars recently who used to be on Gogglebox, which got her on The Bachelorette, which got yeah. her on something, which got her I on... I think The Jungle. Yeah. Got her in The Jungle, well. which then got her on Dancing. You know what? Now, you, see a lot of, you see a lot of people on um, First Dates. You know mm. that show? A lot of people from First Dates pop up in other reality shows as well. I think it's once you're in the door... Then, it's, uh, it's, it's all free reign for the Bay yeah, Marie. You're not it. just eating your Singapore noodles. You're putting your spoon in everything. <laughs> uh, well, Bron, very, very good. Thank you for keeping us on top of all of these issues. Uh, we, uh, yeah, It's one of our favourite things to do on a Monday, so we appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. All right. I'm off to buy Grimes' soul. <laughs>
all day breakfast with a cup of tea with a tea bag stuck in it. Mm-mm. Now, Alex Dyson, following up from producer Bron, updating us on the uh, some of the lighter news stories. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was scrolling through uh, a, uh, a news media outlet website and got to the bottom. Uh, and noticed a... Wait, should we read into anything that this is at the very bottom? <laughs> well, Were you scrolling the, a barrel by any the, chance? The, the headline of this particular news story said, Forgotten Round the Twist Stars New Career. Now that's a brutal headline, to be honest, and it's only made more brutal by the fact that I'm friends with the said Forgotten, forgotten Round the Twist Star. Uh, as if you could forget this, Matt Okai, but you're right. He's a good friend of the Matt and Alex program, and it's a pleasure to give him the right of reply right here. Jeffrey Walker, a.k.a. Bronson from Around the Twist. Hello, Jeffrey. Possibly the most humiliating intro I've ever, <laughs> ever had. I knew that it wasn't going to go well when Matt said the article was at the very bottom of the online read, as if it was already not... Uh, not as prestigious enough to be in print, but even then it was still at the very bottom. <laughs> I'll tell bottom you what, I had to go, I had to scroll through a lot of garbage to get to that, mate. <laughs> oh, you should have seen who was getting new lips compared to the forgotten <laughs> yep. star. But, <laughs> but, but I, it would have been I, higher I, if you were wearing something skimpy. All right, Jeffrey, that's yeah. what we need well, to learn from this. I tell you what, I have learned from it is because, like, you, when you agree to do an interview, and they don't really run the headline by you. I don't know. I would have rushed to. <laughs> Be so helpful. <laughs> the said publication is they were, they'd put that one out there early. It did give um, everybody that I know and love a good laugh. So I, uh, you know, it, it's done its job. Oh, that's amazing! No, look, you are a good sport about Bronson. I mean, I mean the whole Bronson thing. You, you were, you did play Bronson on Round the Twist uh, for seasons two and three. I am, uh, I believe. You weren't the first Bronson, though. I don't want to bring up any other <laughs> harsh uh, truths. Do you have any? Is, is there any beef with the original? Well, I was Bronson the sequel, so I watched the first Bronson at home and thought he was terrific and uh, and didn't have any concept whatsoever as I was sitting there watching the show with my sister that uh, I would become a Bronson. And then I, yeah, I joined them. Uh, and, I mean, the funniest thing is just the fact that people who have this vague memory of the show, it's burned in there somewhere, but they haven't thought about it in maybe 20 or 30 years. They will recall, you know, a ton of episodes that they're so sure that you're in you absolutely weren't in and there's no convincing them so you just you just roll with it yeah and they'll so tell you, you exactly to your face and you'll just have to be the one who roll over there mm-hmm. um so you you could say that you were like kobe to um jordan you know what i mean like uh you you yeah. learned from him i guess you learned from yeah jordan. Well, he was great. yeah he was uh he was there to sort of break new ground and uh and then, yeah, I was able to sort of slide into it. But, I mean, I was so young. I was only like nine years old. I don't even know how I would have read the scripts and learnt my lines or anything. You know, it was really my memories of it are much more the experience of, you know, of kind of making it than being too uh, too referential to what had gone before. But I knew that I'd love that show. And, you know, I think that was probably, you know, one of the great things that my sister and I used to do is, you know, watch that on Sunday morning. So being a part of it was sweet. Well, was it as good as being part of the incredible uh, television program H2O? Uh, I think we've got a bit of audio of that program actually right here. Ronnie's gone missing. You're joking. This is hardly a joking matter. Do you remember seeing anyone suspicious around the dolphin ponds yesterday? No, didn't see a soul. Did you open the gate? No. Uh, One Matt O'Kind doing some great work there on H2O. Just add water? 
That's where we first met, Jeffrey. You were directing a uh, me in the uh, in that was when I looked decent in a <laughs> uh, tight wetsuit. Um, <laughs> Day in day out, and that was that was a scene of me trying to grill Angus McLaren, um, who played Lewis, uh, about how he could let Lo- Ronnie the Dolphin escape. So, uh, one of the finest moments, do you think, Jeff, of the of the show's history? I think history? it would be hard. It would be hard to rank them because they're all so uh, they're all so perfect. We joke about the headline where it says, you know, forgotten around the twist star. The fact of the matter is, you've had an incredible career from the, from the time that you were yeah. nine years old. You were in the Wayne Manifesto. You were Wayne in the Wayne Manifesto. <laughs> you've uh, you've you've you directed Neighbours and uh, you know H two O when you were like 20, 22, 23 sort of thing. Um, you've gone on to direct such. Such incredible things. Dance Academy film, Ali's Wedding, uh, great TV movies. And now during the uh, coronavirus pandemic situation, while the production's halted, you've embarked on a new interview series. Can you tell us about Blurring the Lines? I started to think about all of the collaborations that I've had with actors over the years, yourself included, Matt. And I've thought, I thought I about... I have been called you know, up like for the interview much- yet. But anyway... <laughs> I guess I'm below Guy Pierce and Ty Burrell, but anyways. If you can check your inbox, I wouldn't say immediately, but in the next day or so, Matt, that, that may change. Um, but no, I, I, I just thought it would be really fun to connect with some of the people that I've spent a ton of time on set with, but I, they're also people that I have like a personal fondness for and people that I really just love as people. And they're, and they're sort of, they're the, the common thread with all the people that I've kind of gone out to in Guy and um, Ty Burrell and Ann Dowd's coming coming by from Handmaids and everything, is that they're really nice, warm, self-deprecating, normal people who, uh, you know, who happen to be extremely talented. And I'm kind of interested in, in you know, that kind of, um, yeah, that kind of person, someone who can really turn it on and be world-class, but also has, you know, a wonderful grounding and a gratitude and appreciation for what they do. And so, Inevitably, the the chats end up sort of steering back toward you know how nice they are as, as people, and that kind of comes across by the way that uh, they just are. Absolutely, we've got a bit of a grab of Ty Burrell uh, here having a chat to Jeffrey on his series. Nobody could be more subtle or throw away a joke better than Ed O'Neill. He's got a little list of rules. Things like why stand if you can sit in a scene? Why sit if you can lay down? Why lay down if you can be off screen? <laughs> so there is Ty having a talk about his uh, his modern family co-star. How, how is Ty as a person? Because he just seems I, I can't. He's one of those characters that I find it different difficult to differentiate between himself as a person and himself as the actor as as the father from Modern Family. Is is there is there much difference between the two people? Well, I think Ty's probably one of those actors I've worked with that, and also because the show, you know, was very popular for such a long time. He's one of those people that I get asked so often, you know, what's he like? What's he like? And I know from a lot of young dads, they're kind of like, I'm like Phil Dumpy, you know, that, that's my style of, of parenting. And I said to him at one point, I've spent so much time watching the show and, and with you making it, I said, for better or worse, I've turned into my own Phil Dumpy with my own kids. You know? yeah. But he, he's, he's an extremely warm guy, extremely down to earth. He lives in Salt Lake City, with his family, he runs a family business which you know has a couple of bars in that part of the world. Um, he's he's there's nothing Hollywood about him whatsoever. The unique thing um, I would say about him as a you know a professional is that he's really chatty, really engaging. Made me feel really welcome every time that I would go and visit them to direct it. Uh, but his preparation comedically 
was like nothing I'd ever seen. And he, and I think even that cast, which, you know, was an extraordinary cast, really, when you think back to, you know, assembling that level of talent, there was something about Ty's preparation, his comedic timing, that sort of spoke to the kind of dedication that he had. But ultimately, uh, he's he's a really funny, uh, like his character, as you were asking, you know, he's, he's a family-orientated guy and he's just, uh, yeah, a real treat to be around. Amazing stuff. Well, look, we, the first two episodes of Blurring the Lines are out now. Uh, you can catch them on YouTube. Uh, Blurring the Lines with Jeffrey Walker. You've chatted to Ty Burrell. you chatted to Guy Pearce, also Ann Dowd coming up, I believe, and a few others. Yeah, so I'm chatting to a fellow called Hart Hansen who created the show Bones that ran for 12 seasons and 250 episodes or something. And But what's interesting about him is that like he came to that show in his late 40s. And, and it's so funny how a show like that, and I'm sure it'll be the case for Ty Burrell as well, is that to the outside world, that decade of their life is kind of identified, that will identify them. He was the guy who made Bones or whatever, but he's got all the wonderful sort of self-deprecating qualities that... Um, a former Bronson from around the twist uh, is looking for <laughs> in, in their fellow man. I was, was going to say, I'm not sure I should watch that. I mean, it would be so hard to interview someone about something in which you have no nothing in common, uh, having a pu- <laughs> certain period of their life uh, define your, your career <laughs> exactly there, right. Jeffrey. Yes. There you go. I can channel it all through your heart. <laughs> so. Hey, um, thank you so much for coming and have a chat chat with us on All Day Breakfast. Uh, you're certainly not forgotten here, mate. We love you, and uh, we can't wait to watch the rest of the interview series. Jeffrey Walker, thank you so much. See you next time. Thank you so much, you guys. Glad to be on the show. Bye. Which does bring us to the end of All Day Breakfast for your Monday. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you to Jeffrey Walker and also Tia Hill for crossing into us from Brooklyn as well. And thank you, Matt O'Kine, for sharing uh, your story with us at the top of the show. It's always all these things so difficult to talk about, but um, as always, you, you did it so well, bro. So I appreciate you uh, being so open and honest with us here on, a, on our little podcast. Oh, thanks, man. Well, thank you very much for listening. We uh, always appreciate your feedback as well. Hit us up at matt.n.alex on Instagram. We love to hear what you have to say about the whole situation or if, even if you've got any similar stories or even if you just want to buy Grimes' soul. <laughs> Go halvesies with you. Yeah, um, we'll start We'll start pooling our resources right now to get a little taste of that soul. But um, thank you very much. We're going to see you for a Tuesday breakfast tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, catch you next time. Bye.